0: Welcome to Afternoon Delight, real people, real stories, a local podcast for local artists. Well good afternoon everyone on Afternoon Delight, it is Jory Delight here, drag artist, Marge Simpson impersonator, an all round absolute mess. I hope you're all staying safe and well if you're down south in England, and we now have an English following after having the beautiful and amazingly talented Raylene last week. Hope you're all staying safe during the second lockdown. And if you're anywhere else, I just hope that you're washing your hands thoroughly, wearing masks if you can, and taking care of your mental health and well-being right now, because I think this week especially, it's needed more than ever. This um, Wednesday is an interesting um, episode for Afternoon Delight because every week I will ask guests what advice they could give to young students. Um, you know, especially after the absolute farce when the students were allowed to come from all different kind of um, countries and cities and there was a massive spike. I mean, I felt so sorry for the students in college and universities was truly a really bad move on the government's part. And normally I'll say, oh, could you give some um, advice? Because a lot of these people I have on have studied in the past, whether that's college courses, university courses, they've studied something. And one person that contacted me a couple of months ago at the beginning, sort of our afternoon delight, was a young student at Queen Margaret University, my old university. This truly exceptional young woman is very talented and she has been putting together a platform for queer artists to share and showcase their work. And she also is studying events management and wanting to produce events and potentially run her own company in the future, looking at art and queer art. And I absolutely needed that this week, after the week I've had. When I was at high school, it's really funny, but I didn't want to um, be a drag artist. I didn't really, you know, it didn't cross my mind in all honesty. I never really thought, oh yeah, I want to put a wig on and dance about. Um, You know, I did it in drama. I often would be like, oh, let's get the props out, gals, and chuck the wigs on and Make a mess of myself. Remember the girls in Advance Her Drama wanted me to do Mercutio in um, Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet because of the Baz Luyman version. And I was like, I'm not doing drag, that's weird. Well, <laughs> how the tides have turned now, eh? And talking to this young artist in the making, you know, was such a lovely experience because... We bonded over the National Festival of Youth Theatre that I used to go to all the time. I've often said, you know, a lot of my friendships have been made from youth theatre. A lot of professionals I now work with, I actually met at youth theatre growing up. Um, you know, it was it was really a great environment and I love that about theatre, that although we're not on stage right now, a lot of my relationships have formed out of that. And even then, I've seen a lot of youth theatres continue to sort of run things online digitally and that... Truly, is inspirational in these times. I'm not going to give too much away about the um, amazing Heather Richardson from Queerativity, but basically Heather is here to kind of talk about their experiences growing up queer, and what made them get into queer art. So please give a welcome to an exceptional young lady. It is Heather Richardson from Queer Activity. I have a very exciting and inspirational young artist with me. It is the unbelievably talented for such a young age, Heather Richardson from Creativity. Hello. Hello, how are you doing, Heather? How are you doing on this lovely Monday?
1: I'm doing good. Um so much better now that I get to speak to you, obviously.
0: Oh, oh. <laughs> blowing smoke up, my bum. I love that. Okay. <laughs> Let's go with this, uh, Heather. So let's jump right in the deep end. Um, Could you sum up who you are in a statement for anyone listening who wouldn't know you?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, Queer. (laughs) Um, I guess. And I I suppose the the joy of that is that can mean so many things. Um, Obviously, the origins of the word aren't the the best. (laughs) um, But, you know queer in terms of sexuality, but in terms of eccentric, (laughs) I suppose. I love that,
0: yeah.
1: I'm very enthusiastic about a lot of things, um, but I guess that kind of transpires in what I do um, and the many things that I am doing. Oh,
0: that's amazing. I love that. And you know what? Yeah, because I identify as queer, so I love that. Um, And yeah, I think, especially with this episode, a lot of listeners are probably going to be like, What's uh, the discussion going to be about? Because obviously I've had queer artists on in the past, but I think there's a kind of a difference that your projects are quite um, focused on that aspect of your life. Mm-hmm. And again, um, for people listening, you wouldn't mind me disclosing this, but you are only 18. Yes. And <laughs> I find it truly amazing how comfortable and confident you are at 18. I I, I aspire to be that confident at 25. So... Oh. Not at all. And I love that in your in your statement. It's literally that one word. It's brilliant. So um, let's get the ball rolling. Where did you kind of grow up and, you know, study? Did you work part time when you were at um, high school? And where did you live before you decided to go to uni and chose your course? Yeah,
1: so I grew up in a little town called Armadale, which is smack bang between Glasgow and Edinburgh. Um, so kind of had the best of both worlds with uh, the opportunities that i had there you know i could do i did some work with um see me scotland in glasgow um and then i had the like edinburgh fringe opportunities in edinburgh so it was it was great um in terms of all that and yeah part-time jobs and the joyous places of restaurants and cafes and all of that but um yeah i'm not doing that <laughs> anymore
0: <laughs> wow so what um So, I never knew you worked in the Fringe. Let's kind of uh, take a wee tangent. What kind of stuff did you do in the Fringe?
1: Yeah, so my first year, I did busking. um, Just, you know, on the the street. A little bit of a sing-song. And I think I did that for two years, actually. And then last year, I was in a show. Uh, I was in um, the musical of Bonnie and Clyde with the company. Um, So, that was... Yeah, that was so much fun, honestly. Um, and I also did, like, flyering as well, with that, just so I could afford the fringe lifestyle.
0: <laughs> yeah, the fringes for me. So I've done the fringe a, a lot of times, right? I've done them a few times. Um, done sort of physical theatre shows. One of the oh. first shows I'd done was called Here I'm Alive with a company called Creative Electric that I wrote the show. And basically it was inside these Zorbs dance space on the outside garden area. Yeah, and it was really, um, it was a great show. Um, and and uh, it was my kind of first experience of doing the fringe I did the fringe years ago in youth theatre when I was really young <laughs> like <laughs> me actually I say really young probably a year one year younger than you but <laughs> <laughs> but it was the first time but the first show for me that was my first professional standard show was mm-hmm. that and then ever since then I would you know run nightlife shows and cabaret shows did a lot of mm-hmm. underground sort of queer cabaret shows mm-hmm. that were really fun I think for me the thing with the fringe has always been which I'm gutted this year because i was doing a show on the fringe this year
1: yeah it
0: i think the thing for the fringe for me was that you could go to anything and you would be like you would keep guessing like mm-hmm. i loved it i'd get a flyer for a random show i think one year i went to boris johnson the musical <laughs> by this Raj english theater company that funnily enough <laughs> predicted he'd be a pre- eh, prime minister no president prime minister <laughs> oh, and i'm sitting there like that never happened but what a great show and I, how apt that was <laughs> I know, and then i tweeted about it like mm-hmm. oh i can't believe he's in this theater company i saw And funnily enough, the theatre company found my tweet and were like, retweeted me saying, oh, well, look, we were right, Geordie Delight even says that. And I was like, it's not safe, but the Fringe, honestly, got interviewed this year, funnily enough, actually, by someone. Mm -hmm. They phoned me, We're like, my sister gave uh, gave me your mobile number. I was like, who is your sister giving out my Mm -hmm. mobile number? (laughs) Like, let me tell you, gal, we're going to have to have a chat. But... (laughs) She'd said, oh, um, they work in the Fringe and they'd recommended you talking about the sort of event, queer uh, nightlife and the queer cabaret nights. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh God. And it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't a negative interview, but it was very much like, I didn't think the Fringe was going to happen. It was back yeah. in April. And I was like, "The Fringe isn't going to happen. Like, they couldn't justify it. But I do love the Fringe. It's been one of my favourite things about Edinburgh. Braun when, when I was doing this interview. Definitely. I remember saying to her, or, oh, you know, the fringe is a big thing. And she was like, oh, because it makes people money. And I went, I went, no, I'll be honest with you. Like, a lot of artists doing the fringe didn't get paid no. nearly enough they should for the fringe. Don't
1: do the fringe <laughs> to make money.
0: Yeah, unless you are very well established and yeah. do, doing the Trav or the Lyceum. <laughs> but come on, like, anyone that would think that clearly doesn't know anything about the fringe. But it's it is truly one of the best experiences of Edinburgh. And anyone listening, if you've never been to Edinburgh, you must come next year when the mm-hmm. fringe is hopefully safe and up and running.
1: Yeah. And I
0: didn't know you could sing, Heather.
1: Um, I'll... Oh, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but you busked. Um, yeah, I, I i do sing. I, I sing.
0: <laughs> I bet you can sing. I bet you've got a lovely voice.
1: Thank you. Um, But, yeah, no.
0: So what made you choose to do, it's events management at Queen Margaret University, isn't it? Yeah. So tell me, what was it like writing your statement for university? I want to talk about that, right? Because let me tell you, see, when I wrote my statement at high school, oh, so stressful. And obviously, I don't know what it was like for you. But Mm -hmm. what was it like, sort of the excitement of getting a statement together, leaving school, going to uni, potentially, what was that like?
1: Yeah, so I think growing up, everyone kind of around me and even myself, like, all kind of thought that I would do drama or something, like, performing-y. Um, and, I, I, you know, I still love theatre and the arts, and I'm still very passionate about it. Um, but I think when it came to, like, writing my statement and applying to places, I was like, I love giving people opportunities and facilitating um opportunities like I always took to to directing a lot more than I did um you know the kind of more performing side um and so because I'm so bossy as well I thought events management is like it's kind of the best of both worlds and because it's because QMU is such a dramatic uni as it is it's like the links that they have with um like drama and arts and stuff doing events management doing a like business degree there would have given me a lot of accessibility to these like actors and these little pots of people um and so I guess writing this statement um I kind of had to be careful because I was still applying to a few drama places a few drama courses just to kind of keep my options open so it was it was a big mix of like I am theatrical, but also good at organising things and assertive and planning and whatnot. Um, So it was an odd mix, but clearly they liked it because they got an unconditional offer. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And you know what? It's so funny because when I... So this is going back quite a while for me, right? (laughs) (laughs) But when I was writing my UCAS statement, uh, I was really fortunate that I studied my ass off in uh, my fifth year and got Mm -hmm. all the grades I needed for uni. So that in yeah. six years, I could literally just have a party to myself, right? <laughs> Partied a bit too much, learned <laughs> from my mistakes. Any young people listening to this, um, mm. I would do it all again. But <laughs> <laughs> but um, basically, I was a wideo. And when I wrote my statement, I basically said I wanted to be a writer. Mm-hmm. And I still do love writing. Writing is one of my things that I always will do. And I love, would love the idea to publish a book one day. But oh, I man. wrote yeah but i was mm. a wideo in the statement that i was like i want to be a writer whether that's scripts for <laughs> theater or for film or writing a book so i'd applied for english film and drama courses mm-hmm. and at one point i was going to go to Edinburgh. you need to do an english lit degree like mm. i was literally going to go down oh yeah i was going to go down that route but it was my mum bless her actually said to me you know whatever you're going to go do at uni, to uni because you would go into the majority of my courses, so whatever you're going to do, pick something that you love, because that's the one thing she regretted she didn't do. And I was like, all oh, right, okay. And drama was just something I loved doing. Do you know what I mean? I did, yeah. and funnily enough, anyone listening might not know this, because I don't talk a lot about what I did at uni, because I'm just old now, that <laughs> I went to um, Queen Margaret University and did the drama performance degree that I've spoken mm-hmm. to you about previously. And it was um, a really interesting degree to do. And although I didn't completely enjoy it for my fourth year, so I didn't stay, and just done my three years, it did give me a lot of friendships that I've treasured, someone that I'm best friends with who ran the Drama Society, and um, I did meet a lot of lecturers who did push me into doing things like contemporary performance, which then made me go into my contemporary RMA. Do you know what I mean? So it wasn't yeah. like a, a, a not good experience. It was just that it, I have got all I could get out of that. Yeah. And when I was there, I moved into Halls in my third year, at the QMU halls and I'd met a couple of friends who I lived with who ended up doing events management and honestly that was a course that when I talked to people when you told me you're doing events management I said that's a good course there because they have a very good rate of getting jobs outside of it Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and it's
0: and it's funny because I also was very more into like directing than performing now I'm a performer but see when Mm. I was growing up I was like I'm bossy I like to tell people what to do (laughs) yeah Yeah. now I'm just kind of like Let's just go with the flow and feel everything. But, you know, I can totally understand why you would be more interested in doing events management and the accessibility. And I also think there's a lovely caring um, sort of aspect to that, that you're like, I want to help people get opportunity. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you're so sweet. <laughs> it's just, you clearly have the right, your heart's in it for the right reasons, basically. Yeah. I would really appreciate yeah. that. So, obviously... <laughs> yeah. You've been studying how is studying going this year despite covid if you don't mind me asking
1: i mean it's all right um it's mm-hmm. all kind of online we've got like one session a week where we can go in but i mean i've <laughs> i've not really been prioritizing studying as one should as a student i've just because so many exciting things are happening with like creativity and stuff i'm just like you know i'll, I'll be looking at the at my textbook and be like yep I need to do this but then my computer's right there and creativity's right there and I'm like oh I could work on this and this is more fun and exciting so um that just needs more self-control on my
0: part <laughs> but do you know yeah. what though you need those little things right now to make you oh, feel definitely. happy with pandemic yeah. and COVID and just also with the way the arts is right now as someone that's working and it's still that mm-hmm. you just need to enjoy those moments right now and I'm not i wasn't the most uh i wouldn't say professional that's the wrong word but i wasn't the best student at times so (laughs) i'm not gonna sit here and be like oh yeah don't worry about uni like no do worry about uni and do naturally do well at it and pursue it and study um definitely but i think equally just allow yourself times to be distracted and have fun because you've got your course is like four years so you've got Mm -hmm. the four years you know i mean whereas not ages like, yeah exactly <laughs> totally and then um, that is just amazing so now that you've touched on it let's go <laughs> on to queer activity so can you tell us about queer activity and why you started this why you started yes.
1: it so queer is a web-based platform that is used to promote queer art by queer artists um and yeah i mean there's lots of different forms of art we've got on there we've had songs monologues poetry, embroidery, <laughs> you know, it's it's very diverse and I love it. Um we get weekly posts um, of different these different forms of art. Um, and yeah it's just given artists this opportunity to to you know showcase their art because they don't really have many at the moment, you know, performance opportunities and whatnot obviously can't go ahead. So it's I guess an accessible way for people to to share what they're creating um, as well. And I guess the reason why I created it was to do just that, to kind of create these networks and these connections, um, and also a bit selfishly to create this art as well, because, you know, I love theatre and music and all of that, and just to be able to even meet new people and then work with them to create art you know we've already done that and it's it was such a fun experience and just to keep doing that um I just love it and yeah it's like my little baby it means so much to me because I actually launched the site um on the day three years since I first came out to my family so yeah
0: do you know what perfect way to (laughs) sort of um, mm-hmm. articulate that that's so lovely because obviously I love your site
1: mm-hmm. and um,
0: I'm obviously going to be giving you a piece of work in the yes. next couple of days to also put on your site and I just mm-hmm. saw it and was like that is amazing like it, it, so, and obviously when we had that connection on zoom God, it would have been a month two months ago yeah. and and we got to know each other and networked and I listened to you and I'm thinking right this is all amazing and and when you told me you were 18, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, like I know that people listening to his podcast are gonna go, that, all that by 18 is amazing. And honestly, like <laughs> you remind me a lot of myself at that age, that I oh, 18 uh-huh. was doing a hundred things, had projects in the running
1: yeah. and
0: studying. because I wanted to by the time I was graduating have a source of income but also have work going do you know what I mean because there is an unfortunate thing I feel for uni that a lot of people go to uni and study and then they finish and then think that they're going to be handed things because they've got a degree and it's not against them when I say that it's the Mm -hmm. way kind of the education system teaches you that, you know, you'll get your, you get a first and you've all of a sudden walked into jobs. And honestly, that's just not how it is. No. Like, not no, my biggest advice for any students who might listen to this is get yourself into places. Like, even if it's just volunteering or work experience, like from the moment you start studying, however you can, even if at the moment it's on Zoom and once a week of your time. But those mm-hmm. are the kind of things that do that because I did that in my second year uni. I got two part time theatre jobs that I was doing yeah. for free mm-hmm. unfortunately but I was only doing two hours a week for one hour for each right but then when yeah. I went when I finished uni I walked out into two jobs yeah but I was then qualified, qualified yeah. and experienced and they could pay me so mm-hmm. those are the sort of tips I would give people and I'm mm-hmm. very aware that you're probably thinking that um that way at the moment Definitely. yeah no
1: I have I'm very lucky that I actually already have a job in like events management you know so <laughs> um, yeah, it's, a job. it's at it's at the uni um wow. like uh i organize the events for the people that live on campus and um, i helped with that. so i absolutely love it um it's it's honestly so great so i'm just very lucky that i can actually um you know be employed to do what i'm also equally learning about in my degree <laughs>
0: you always sometimes as well that you can learn so much by paper but sometimes learning on the job is the best as well
1: definitely especially with events it's like you need to to have the actual experience of doing them and also attending them as well which is a bit hard at the moment totally
0: (laughs) i know i know but it it will return it's more a question of when and not if you know what i mean yeah Um, but definitely well done you so talk briefly just there about when you came out to your family would you mind if if it was all right to share your experience of coming out, because coming out for me when I would have been 17, Mm -hmm. 17, 18, I gave myself a year to sort of slowly start telling people, you know, Mm -hmm. and a little bit about me was back then I identified as a gay man. So I would came out to a couple of my close friends drunk Mm -hmm. and then slowly started telling, you know, like uh, loads of friends at school. Uh, I remember, in fact, the reason I had to tell everyone was because I turned 18 and I, um, <laughs> the first night out, I went on with CC Blooms, Edinburgh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, good times. And I went mm-hmm. uh, there. And the next day, I'd had my first one-night stand, God. Um, and I <laughs> went to school. And I went to school. It was on a school night. God, I really was bad. Oh, um, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I went into school. And they were all like, so what did you get up to last night? And I was like, slept with a man. <laughs> and they were all just kind of like okay that's one way to do it <laughs> yeah but they all kind of knew it just hadn't been discussed at a table and then we had the dinner table we were all sat at and they were like oh yeah okay and I was like oh <laughs> and
1: I'm sitting there like <laughs> where's the enthusiasm
0: <laughs> I was like where where's the shock where is this and they're like I mean we all know this Jordan and I was like oh okay but it was you know I was very lucky that a lot of my fans were liberal as well that so they weren't like, oh, yeah, well, we knew that. They were like, oh, yeah, we knew. Like, it's okay. And I was like, oh, right, okay. But they're all lovely people that I'm still friends with now that some of them are at uni with some of them I just see because we're still friends. Um, yeah. But then I came out this year as non-binary. Mm-hmm. And that was quite interesting for me that at 25 I would come out again. But also the way it's been for coming out, I mean, it's been so different in terms of Gender as opposed to sexuality, do you know what I mean? When I came out as gay, it was very much like, oh, yeah, you fit that mould, essentially. Mm. I was Mm. feminine, so I felt that I fit that mould. I used to date a lot of guys that were quite um, sort of hyper-masculine, and they would be, like, not out to friends. Like, one of them was, like, a football coach, and he wasn't out to his, like, um, like, the students. And I was like, oh, like, can you not come out? And he's like, "It's it's too difficult. And I felt sorry for him because it was such a shame that that was what it was like. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was sort of a thing that I fit this mold. Whereas then, I came as non-binary. I think a lot of people found that quite difficult. And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah, it just friends. Like it's not their fault. But like a lot of people were like, I don't get this gender stuff. And then a lot of people were like, refer me to still as he because I'm the them. And it's like mm-hmm. those like people that I've known for years. I'm gonna understand. They're gonna say he by mistake, and then go, oh shit, sorry, totally yeah. fine. But there were people that. It was like I had to write a Facebook post because a lot of people were misgendering me because they didn't realise. Yeah, and yeah. I kind of noticed that a lot of people that normally like all the things I post about me working didn't like it. And I went, mm. Mm. they were the people I thought yeah. maybe would be a bit weird about this. But do you know what? It's like I still did it. And it's still an interesting experience yeah. that coming out twice. And the reason I knew I was not binary is because I went to uh, volunteer at LGBT youth for a while and learned about all the non-binary umbrella and the queer umbrella and, and everything so it was good for me to finally be at peace with myself and realize who I was but enough yeah. about me about <laughs> myself. and what kind of aim um, was your experience like three years ago if you wouldn't mind sharing
1: yeah no absolutely um so obviously the first person I came out to would have been myself you know the kind of full realization like I, I kind of viewed it at the time like you know gay people exist that's nice that's them that's a different story not me I'm normal you know really? and then okay. yeah I just I saw it as something that happened that um you know that was other people's stories and identities but that that wasn't me you know I was just Heather I just didn't see it like that and then um I I don't know I guess the way I spoke about like celebrity females you know some of my friends were a bit like you know that we don't think like that right and I was like what you don't all think that Lily Collins is the most beautiful woman to ever walk this earth I don't understand (laughs) um so I guess I kind of then looked and kind of thought okay this isn't this isn't straight let's think about this um and then you know I kind of told friends here and there and they were all fine and then the big one of the, the parents um which was three years ago um it happened after I performed a show with a company that I was with back home. Um, and it was with the person actually that we mutually know and um, she helped direct it. Right, um, okay. And so it was about um, kind of our generation and like, you know, we touch base on like technology and like um, this, that, and the other, and also sexuality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so in the show, that was quite a prominent theme because most of the people that were performing the show were, in some way um, lgbtq plus right. so my parents came and saw that you know on the drive home they said that was really good you know you were great fantastic and you know they go in they sit in the living room and i go upstairs and i think okay this is this is a perfect segue into yeah. me saying it so i go downstairs i turn the tally off i stand in front of them like i'm about to perform something and i'm and i just say i am gay I used gay because that felt more dramatic at the time. It wasn't true, but I thought, you know, this will this will get the the point across. And they were like, okay, cool. You know, I I mean it wasn't like that. I cried and they hugged me and we spoke oh. about it, but they were but it was it was lovely and it was I think a shock as much as they wouldn't want to admit it, I think a shock. Um but you know they've been great, they've been really supportive and Um, I am so grateful for, for their, um, acceptance and, um, you know, growing up then like coming out to everyone else that I knew at the same time and kind of going through school, going through high school at the same time, it wasn't like the worst in the world. You know, I definitely, people have had it worse and I'm grateful that I, you know, had the experiences that I had, but there were just little things that like, you know, still I'll think about them to this day and kind of be uncomfortable with certain things that just didn't really sit right. People so say
0: what were the little things that people would say? Would you mind sharing that as well, if that was all right?
1: Yeah, I mean, there was, it was just little things. Like, I would see messages of people being like, is Heather Richardson a lesbian? Like, you know, and little things and people, you know, spreading things and saying things and just little nitpicky comments. And yeah. I mean, at the time when I was in high school, i came out as bisexual mm-hmm. just because that kind of fit where I felt at the time. Obviously now I identify as queer, mm-hmm. but you know, at the time people would see bisexual, but see that I was in a relationship with a girl. And so just be like, Oh, she's a lesbian. And they do that now. They, they, st- because I'm in a relationship with a woman now they're like, Oh, lesbian. What's it like being a lesbian? And I'm, and you know, like that's kind of followed throughout high school and I got to the point actually like last month where I put out a post um, on like my Instagram story being like, attention, all my friends, listen, I love you all. I love the support. I'm not a lesbian. I'm not. And I, you know, people would come to me and be like, ask me questions and want me to answer as a lesbian, you know, being like, Oh, like, you know, how do you feel? You know, obviously, cause you're a lesbian and I can't answer as someone that I'm not. You know, and and so I kind of put that out, and I was like, I'm not a lesbian. I identify as queer, and I would really respect if you could respect that. You know, and I kind of followed up by another post, which was about my relationship. In that, there's just been so much invalidation surrounding it. Um, you know, I've been in this relationship for two and a half years now. Um, which yes, love, lovely, lovely, um, and. And, you know, there's just been, I, I can't even count how many times I've made to, been made to feel like it's not as valid as a heterosexual one. You know, like I'll be sat with like a bunch of my friends and, and you know, they all have boyfriends and they'll be like, well, how's your boyfriend doing? Well, how's your boyfriend doing? Blah, blah, blah. And then they'll kind of like, you know, not touch base with me at all. And it's, you know, little things like that all kind of accumulated. And I put that post out. And, you know, since I put that post out, everyone has been absolutely fantastic. Like, people will, you know, specifically be like, oh, Heather, how's, how, you know, how's she doing? Um, you know, and, and there's been no invalidation since then. And I think because people weren't being malicious, people were just not grasping that what they were doing was harmful. And I completely respect that. And, and because I said it, you know, I couldn't sit and complain about it if I, wasn't, if I wasn't, you know, questioning it. So after I put those posts out, like, everyone's been fantastic. So that's, that's my advice for anyone, you know. If people are um, not invalidating your sexuality or your partner or relationship, you know, tell them. Because odds are they're not realising it. And that's what I got. I got so many apologies. And I was like, just change kind of the approach.
0: Thank you so much. You know what? I'm so proud of you for sharing that and doing that. <laughs> oh, thank you. Honestly. Thank you. And you know, it's someone who I'll need to like, Put you in contact with, and also who you'll want to listen to their episode mm-hmm. is um, one of my best friends who's also an artist um, and does a lot of um, DJing, is bisexual and a bisexual woman. And mm-hmm. she's doing in a couple of weeks a bi visibility um, discussion oh, wow. on the podcast because she's bisexual, but often the mm-hmm. things she hears are, you know, oh, so are you bisexual or are you one of those that you'll. You know, sleep with women, but you don't date men, and are you um, a mm-hmm. bisexual? That you know, she often gets couples messaging mm-hmm. her on dating apps, being like, "Yeah, oh, look would at your unicorn." Yeah, mm-hmm. and and just her experiences of bi erasure, especially, have been quite shocking. So, Absolutely. it's great to get her on, but it's also maybe someone that I should put in contact with in a couple of weeks' time, yeah. just because. Um, She used to run Drama Society. She uh, used to be the production manager on my shows that I did. So she's very... I think you and her would get on quite well, actually.
1: Yeah, Um, oh, that was fab.
0: (laughs) And also, just listening to that story, you know, um, no one ever needs to apologise for coming out as bi and then realising they're not bi later on because it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, no one's sexuality is anyone's business or decision other than their own. Their own Mm realisation is theirs. Like me, like... I would have, back when I was 17, been like, oh, I'm a gay man. And now I'm a non-binary queer person. You know, it's just not... It's
1: it's, fluid.
0: It's fluid. And I think, as well, you know, no one learns things and who they are from the get-go. Like, things like going to uni. Like, you don't know what you would do with your life at 17, 18. Some people do, like Mm -hmm. I did. I feel like you probably did. But a lot of people don't. And they go to uni and they're like, what am I doing? Do you know what I mean? And they don't know who they are. The guys I've dated, that they're like oh I don't have a clue who I am and I'm like oh I do (laughs) but like (laughs) uh, it is a weird thing that you go through Um, Mm -hmm. and I am quite surprised you know I'd like to ask this because of um just the age difference Mm -hmm. was what was it like at school are people were people still sort of like homophobic and biphobic and Um, or was that a bit more accepting because I often hear from my mum and that generation mm -hmm. right and my brother's generation, because he's 10 years old, and me, oh, well, you know what's better now than it was when I was, like, your age? And then mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm twenty fucking five. Like, what are you talking about <laughs> for that for? Um, yeah. But with you, you know, there is a, a seven-year age gap, and I'm intrigued to see, because I work with kids, not your age, but sort of 14-, 15-year-olds, mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily discuss sexuality with them because it's not really something I need to discuss with them, but mm-hmm. I'm just intrigued to see what it would have been like, Back
1: yeah, I mean, I think that um it could have been worse. You know, I think that because of who I am, you know, I'm not um I'm a fairly nice person. I would say like I I didn't have like enemies or people that would like like you know, it could have been worse. I think because of who I am, it made it a bit better. And there was never anything like big, you know, I was never like physically like hurt or anything like that. Um it was all just like little tiny things that people didn't even have the guts to say to my face. You know, it was all like he said, she said, this, that, and the other. Um, I remember in sixth year actually, so not that long ago, um, I was going for head girl. And um there was another person that was going for head girl and she um you know she was complaining about me you know a bit competition but she said like oh she's just gonna use the gay card you know and she started being like they're gonna give it to her for diversity you know they're just like this that and the other and um yeah so that happened but I got deputy head girl and she got nothing so
0: um, and you know what I'll be honest with you though that often just as my experience as an adult right that often is people's projection. Like she yeah. was just clearly so insecure and, you know, people that are insecure, because a lot of us are, I, you know, I think there's that, that comment that humans are basically like cucumbers with anxiety because we make up, <laughs> so much of us are just made up of water and anxiety. And it, <laughs> honestly, people are just so insecure. And, you know, I think now as an adult I realise that a lot of people that would have bullied me but also a lot of people that are just been arseholes to me in the past they are just very much troubled oh, yeah. and insecure and I can now walk away from it and I can kind of mm-hmm. go hang on what's going on with you because that's sort of character you're being nasty for no reason and I don't take it as a personal attack but I yeah. am equally 25 and went to therapy it's not like, like you should still at 18 even at 15 be allowed to be like why are you being nasty to me like that's <laughs> it shouldn't even you shouldn't have to at that age think about oh well maybe they're being nasty to me because no like mm-hmm. they're being nasty to, to each other simple people like me can go right this is what's going on like <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> um, yeah. but I'm glad that and I mean I never I often do hear talking to younger people and to people my age like oh, well you know I didn't physically get hurt I'm like I know but the thing is like words can be just is yeah. like, horrible, if not like damaging long term. You know what I mean? Yeah, I used to get. I've like now I don't have it anymore. But I used to like get teased by a group of neds at my school all the time, and it ended up giving me chronic anxiety that if I ever walked down the street and saw a group of neds, I would proper panic. Like, because yeah. I thought, oh, they're going to attack me because they can smell the gay. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and it's absolutely not that now for me, but you know. It, I think it is good that things are different, but it's interesting to hear that people still made comments that weren't really very acceptable.
1: Yeah, and I think as well, like if people are saying things that aren't, you know, directly associated, you know, your your gay brain goes, oh, they're doing this because of what I am, you know, they're 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 targeting this, but it's, you know, often it's not that. Um, But you know, I mean, I'm just I'm I could have had it worse. I always I am grateful for the I had so much support. Um, and people that did love me and they're the people that I cared about so everyone else it was just like I'm not listening.
0: You're, <laughs> an ev- you're a very exceptional young person I chat to <laughs> I'll be honest I'm very and <laughs> um, so now we kind of go on a bit of a tangent because um, obviously creativity is amazing and I'm so proud mm-hmm. to talk to someone that's doing all these things at that age <laughs> it's wonderful but what kind of things have you been doing to cope basically the last sort of six seven months with COVID and being a student I mean that must have been an experience I'd like for you to share that
1: (laughs) yeah I mean I think that I am very um self-disciplined and very very organized and so you know I will always be keeping busy um so especially you know in the past few months like it's been with queer activity um that I've been you know uh having meetings speaking to people trying to like make it bigger and um, expand the reach and whatnot for it and just like improve it and you know change kind of different things about it and whatnot so I think that's definitely kept me distracted um no I won't say distracted I'll say occupied you know I'm not trying to distract from from anything particularly I'm Mm -hmm. well aware of the state of the world um and I don't think that distracted is the right word I think that I've been keeping occupied with it um I've had you know my job um I'll do my uni work and I'll get it done with um I think in terms of keeping myself sane um I've started meditating again um I did that a lot last in my first year and then I just stopped over lockdown because I you know just couldn't be bothered mm-hmm. um but I think that now that I'm getting into more of a routine with like you know getting up doing uni work going to work work creativity work lots of work um I think that on a morning just doing a little bit of meditation and kind of starting off with a kind of calmer and clearer focus for the day um I think that the concept makes me feel better, you know. If you say, "Oh, I meditate," then everyone's like, "Oh, good for you! It's great, you know. Good, good self care practice." Whether it actually does anything for me, I'm not quite sure. I don't hate it, so I'll, I'll do it for the for the sake of maybe it does something to my brain chemistry. <laughs> it's
0: funny you say that because um, I returned to Zoom Yoga on Friday because I used to have a oh, really? I used to have a yoga instructor and do one to one in my house um, once a week. <laughs> And unfortunately, obviously, with COVID, you can't do it. So I'm now back on Zoom doing it. And I felt that on Friday, I thought, oh, I've missed this. And I'm very spiritual and I meditate all the time. I think I'm very organised, but I'm good at allocating me time to also... And this is maybe for some people going to go, that's a bit wanky. But <laughs> I'm very good at allocating time to do nothing, where yeah. I don't have to worry about anything. And it's my time to just do what I like. But I also give myself time to do things specifically that are for different projects like i do singing i do obviously mm-hmm. theater and drag and all these things online at the moment um, i'm doing a couple of projects that i still can't disclose on the podcast yet because they're mm-hmm. not officially <laughs> out which is exciting mm-hmm. but yeah there is um, for me a sort of way to allocate yourself the right time To allow yourself to do different things that will keep you busy, like meditation, definitely helps me. And it's really Mm -hmm. funny, actually, because, um, you know, you talk about um, being distracted, and you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm not distracted, I'm keeping occupied, and I like that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with distractions, like, COVID is on everyone's minds at the moment, and for me, I especially with the election last couple of days had to distract myself because i was thinking about it all the time so i needed something else to think about because your your brain just buzzes and goes <coughs> and in terms of the um sort of uni work for me i because a lot of people have been talking to me like oh the students must be really stressed and i'm like obviously they're stressed because i would be like jesus coming from different places i've never like been to before in my life and covid's happening and i'm locked in my halls like yeah uh, I did kind of sit and go, when I was doing my MA and doing term-free, because when I was doing my MA, we had the option that we could defer and mm-hmm. go come back in the year. But my lecturer said to us, like, don't do it because we're still going to be doing everything online. Yeah. And we know we will be. And I was like, oh, okay. So that's why mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'll just finish mine. But actually, when I'd kind of got my around it all and started finding a formula of filming and organising the performances – it really helped time go by and yeah. really I got everything done and I didn't realize that two months had went by and I went oh my god two months have gone but I had something to kind of keep me occupied so yeah. I totally empathize and understand that you're like I like to keep busy and do these things because it will take your mind off of it um, and yeah. and how are you feeling just obviously a lot of my guests on this are people that either work from home or they mm. are key workers but they sort of have a lot of um, procedures in place to not um, get COVID, but how are you feeling just being a student? Because obviously there was quite a lot of drama with Glasgow Caledonia and like Mm -hmm. uh, Edinburgh Uni students that, you know, a spike happened and they were getting a lot of the blame. I had a big thing about that, that Mm -hmm. I don't personally feel like the government should have allowed them all to come and Mm -hmm. stay in halls when they did, but we won't need to get into politics. But mm-hmm. how are you feeling about being a student in Halls Accommodation with COVID? Are you a bit more anxious or are you actually feeling quite comfortable or things relaxed?
1: Yeah, so I actually don't live in Halls. Um, right, oh,
0: apologize. Right.
1: Um, no, I apologise, right. No, it's all right. I live like with my friend that we, we met in the first year. Um, but I guess I kind of, I'm still strongly linked to Halls because obviously I work for the accommodation services. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because I'm kind of seeing both sides of it. I'm seeing my own kind of experience in my flat and um it's you know i just feel bad for people that are in first year because That's you know they're not able to meet new people or like even properly meet people on their course um so i you know i just feel really bad for them i'm more you know i feel lucky that um i got to make the connections with people when i did and i got to form my own little like groups and friendship groups of people um so i am i am lucky in that front i am i'm you know I'm obviously understandably sad that I can't you know go to parties or go out anymore or meet new people because I love meeting new people um and I can't really do that you know when people will come in to to my work and when I'm kind of at the reception desk you know they're obviously they're like looking for their post because I give out posts as well Mm -hmm. but I'm also like do you want to chat you know let's be friends (laughs) um how's your day going um so that's it's, it's difficult but I think I'm I mean, I'm personally, I'm coping fine because good. I guess that the whole work from home thing, um, like it's saving time on transportation. So it means I can do more productive work.
0: <laughs> amazing. Yeah, I love that. Oh, you're so like optimistic and positive. I love that. Um, <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a really good thing. Um, mm-hmm. So what are your plans you know if i had to like give you sort of you in 2 years of graduated and you're living the dream what would you be doing what are your future plans
1: Ooh, um well hopefully um i guess i'm probably saying this now because creativity is so prominent um in my life at the moment but i'm really looking to integrate like events with creativity um and so i would it would be amazing if you know a few years time i'm making um actual income from organizing events through the website still you know having the artists on every week in different art and just kind of continuing that um you know running events through creativity running events like myself as well involved in shows and whatnot um would be amazing but yeah I mean I guess it's hard to look to the future right now because we just don't know what that's going to look like um like at all so it's hard to kind of envision especially with events because that's the thing that's not happening at the moment um but yeah like just kind of a bigger uh kind of a bigger look of creativity really is Mm -hmm. would be amazing um whether that happens or not well we'll see (laughs) that's
0: amazing so if you were to pick one piece of work that you are proud of what would it be
1: um I sound like a broken record but probably the launching of the the website creativity mm-hmm. um in itself I kind of that's you know I'm, I'm so proud of that the amount of people that I had messaging me and like getting in touch and saying like w- like what a great thing it is and how they think it's going to get bigger and take off like so many people have said like it's only going to grow um friends as well as also like kind of business advisors that I've been speaking to as well they've said like this is great like keep keep going it's fantastic so I'm definitely very very proud of that um but also the piece of theatre that um I mentioned that I performed um before coming out to my parents is a really pivotal one in my life because if I didn't do that I probably wouldn't have came out I probably wouldn't have then thus launched a website surrounding that you know um and so I I definitely would say that um it was called 404 um and so yeah definitely I'm definitely proud of that because it was a devised piece of theatre so like the group we all kind of bonded together and and created it you know it was it was all of our little babies um so definitely definitely that's that's up there in the in the in the leadership board.
0: <laughs> I love that. You know what? Youth theater gave me so many of my close friendships. Like two of my best friends um were from National Festival of Youth Theater, meeting them at a you know the wait NFIT. Yeah.
1: That's N-F-I-T. we we took that show to to NFIT as well.
0: Oh, um, amazing. NFIT was, was my honestly one of the best things I ever went to and youth theatre honestly youth theatre at one point saved my life as well but youth theatre you know as someone that also did youth theatre and then went into workshop leading and teaching youth theatre you know it's it's one of those things that it always will have a special place in my heart and I've I've often said to people that I would one day love to run like an LGBT sort of identity focused youth theatre in Edinburgh so you never know. Um, yeah that'd be great that's kind of something maybe when I've kind of settled in my work and I know what I'm doing right now because every day I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> <laughs> but I love working with young people and I love also giving young people the platform to share their stories and a show like that will always follow you and mm-hmm. it's such an amazing thing you've done at such a young age
1: Thank um
0: you. so in your kind of role as a young person that's a role model which is interesting. <laughs> um, you know a lot of the people that come onto this podcast I say to them oh if you considered yourself a role model and they'll say no why would you think that I'm like because I do mm-hmm. but they will I will say to them you know what could you say to younger people listening and who better than to tell younger people than a young person so, <laughs> if, if there were words of wisdom you could give people that are studying at the moment because we get a lot of people listening to this that are sort of 17 18 upwards and mm-hmm. um, what kind of words of wisdom could you share
1: um, not to steal Nike's logo, but um, you can censor that out if you want. <laughs> but I would say, just do it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, in lockdown, I was like, you know it would be great? A platform that shares queer art. And I did it. I just, I just did it, you know? And obviously, it's deeper than that, you know? There's lots of considerations, like financial and, like, whether it's safe to just do it, you know? but you know conceptually like just do it you know everyone you will find support you will find people that are on the same uh, same boat as you people that want what you want to give or want to do you know you just need to look for it and you just need to ask for it you know and i know that people will be like oh but this but that and it's like well you're not gonna know until you just do it you know
0: that is amazing. Oh, <laughs> Heather, you've honestly just really made me feel great this week and oh. gave, me, gave me such an, uh, a sense of hope oh, first, right you. now. Um, what social media handles would you like to kind of promote on your website if you could tell people where you can find your work?
1: Yeah, so it's just queerativity.art um, and you'll find it there. In terms of social media, we're still in the process of creating actual queerativity Uh, handles but I guess I've got Heather Rose underscore events on Instagram which I kind of post a lot of creativity stuff on there Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah that's it Um,
0: brilliant Mm -hmm. before we finish up every week I ask people to bring a mindfulness quote that sort of reflects them and also how they're feeling or just inspires people and I would love for you Heather to share your quote with the guests this week
1: Yes, so my quote is, you are never going to please everyone in your life. The most important person to please is yourself. Um, And I'm sure that there's many different variations of like actual people saying that and the sources of people saying that. But this was said to me um, by someone that I met when I was working at a theater um, and they were going through a lot of changes, a lot of kind of tough times in their life. And they were spitting out wisdom while they were going through it. Um, And I just, I think that that's a really important thing because I agree, put yourself first always. But once you are comfortable with that and you're in that good situation with yourself, then you can start to focus on spreading that happiness and those good vibes and energy to other people.
0: Heather, thank you so much. This (laughs) week's episode has given me such a great positive energy and it is beaming off you, looking at you now.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for joining me, Heather. Thank you for having me. Isn't it truly remarkable and amazing to listen to a young person so passionate, so into what they want to do, I've missed that. I've had to spend the last couple of days really finding out who I am again. I've gotten lost among the waves really badly the last couple of weeks. And I've not liked how I felt and it's made me not like who I am. Listening to that really, really reminded me why I do this and why I'm continuing despite the darkest days to be an artist. This was honestly such an amazing experience. I'm so glad Heather joined us. Please do follow Heather on the social media handles that she has mentioned in the podcast episode. It's been a pleasure speaking to such a young person and getting their insight because you know every week as much as I like to still think I'm 18 I'm 25 now and how I feel and think is not the way younger generations will feel and think and that's why we needed to make us an inclusive podcast and speak to the young people who are living in the real world with this I'm so glad that you have joined this episode of Afternoon Delight if you're burnt out I hope that you feel better soon because I'm exhausted this week. But I wanted to make sure that I did these podcast episodes because I've, like I've said previously, these are the only things that are keeping me going, and I need them. And I hope that you might need them too, or even just want them. Join me on Friday with Lorna Murray, a classical singer and musician. She's going to be talking about live performance, the future of live performance. And ways she's adapted her practice during the pandemic and her experiences of getting to see a live performance when the lockdown was lifted in August. It's truly an exceptional story and I hope you can join us for that. If you haven't already, please do subscribe to this podcast and give it a share. Until then, stay safe and remember to breathe. Afternoon delight. Real people, real stories, a local podcast for the local artists.